you you are still dangerous wait wait wait! god damn it you forgot to oh yeah i did thank you (laughs) how do we do this (laughs) it hasn't been that long since we recorded okay i should have typed that part out (laughs) all right take two welcome to the ghoul's guide to santa barbara you you are still dangerous but you can be my wingman anytime Top Gun. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes. Yay! Why did I choose Top Gun? I don't know. Because it's amazing. <laughs> well, oh, well, actually, uh, of course, Tom Cruise is in it, but Anthony Edwards yes. from Santa Barbara is Santa in Barbara it. Santa Barbara Oh, I didn't know he's But from. the real reason that I uh, chose this 1986 classic uh-huh. is that I wanted to ask Summers about the time she sang with Kenny Loggins. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, my parents sent me to a private school in town for like elementary school, Laguna uh-huh. Blanca. I've told you this before, I think. And for some reason, when I was in the third grade, as like some weird enrichment activity that served <laughs> no purpose, um, they just took us to a recording studio in town somewhere. Uh-huh. And Kenny Loggins was there. Also a local. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. We all recorded Christmas carols together. <laughs> That's so weird. All day. And then they gave us a tape of the Christmas album we had just made with Kenny Loggins, <laughs> which I'm sure was never released uh-huh. or anything. It was yeah, like just, just for us. It's amazing. And then uh, a couple weeks later, we went to the rehabilitation center downtown. Mm-hmm. It's kind of by like Taffy's a little bit. It might be something else now. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, um, no, I think it is. I yeah. It is, and is it the cottage rehab? I don't know. Oh. I could just point out the building. but um, And then we sang to the people <laughs> in the rehab center. Mm-hmm. And John Travolta was there. What? And he sang with us, too. That's... <laughs> and then it was never spoken again. Spoken of again. It's <laughs> a Barbara thing. It is. So and I weird. don't think... I don't think anybody's parents knew Kenny Loggins. I mm-hmm. think he just like maybe wanted the impression I got, which could be totally wrong as an undiagnosed autistic child <laughs> at the time who had no background info. I felt like Kenny Loggins just wanted to sing with some children. Uh-huh. So he reached out to a school, <laughs> but I, that can't be true. Uh, he probably had some connection to the school. Like maybe his have. kids went there because he's got kids yeah. that went to school in town. Huh. And, um, we yeah. were never told like, why. Yeah. yeah. There, I feel like that's a thing that like just certain famous people have connections with certain schools. and. But wait. Yeah. Like J.R. Richards has always been associated with Santa Barbara I High. And I, don't I know who that is. interacted with Kenny Loggins' wife when I was like in my early 20s and she had like small children at that time. Maybe it was a maybe he had older children. I don't know. Okay. That were would have been kids at the same time as some yeah. of his kids. I mean, young, youthful, summers' kids, youthful children, (laughs) like kids that were not, you know. I know. You know what I mean. (laughs) Oh, you are famously the oldest of the three of us. No, me. Oh, oh, are we pretending, Liz? (laughs) Sure. Does that make me the youngest? Uh Okay, I'm, I'm in on this. Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Top good one. one good one that was a good movie 
I feel like I, I still haven't seen the second one because I feel like I yeah. already saw this movie. You did. I kind of I kind of watched it. I was doing something else. Like uh, maybe I was researching an episode. Of our show. <laughs> I don't know what I was doing while I was watching Top Gun, but I was just like every time I kind of like tuned back in, I was like, oh yeah, I've seen this before. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand why they. It's like, just nostalgia. But like, if they wanted to re, uh, oh, I guess because they wanted what's his face in the movie, and they couldn't just have him replay his role Val in Kilmer? a reboot. Or, no, who? who oh, Tom Cruise. Oh yeah, okay. Why couldn't they? Uh, I didn't. I didn't watch either one of them. No, the first one was fun. I just like Kelly McGillis is like Guinness. Kelly Mc- McGillis. Guinness. I think it's Gillis. I think it's Gillis. <laughs> um, she just like I don't know. She's just such a like woman, and like, <laughs> and it, it was just such a weird thing to me. I mean, I guess it's of the time, but uh-huh. like, uh, I don't like. I look at like the starlets of today, and they just don't look like women the way that like women in those movies, yeah, in the eighties, well, like. It's like mm-hmm. that meme I sent you the other day about like our generation <laughs> becoming fifty at ten and yeah, <laughs> or what is it becoming thirty at ten and still being thirty at fifty? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but like it's it was very much like the same as uh, like the designing wi- the women of designing women oh, yeah. where they were like women and then like uh, <laughs> what's her we were just talking about her uh, the one who is in romancing the stone oh Kathleen, Kathleen Turner Kathleen Turner. Yeah, she's the very same much a category woman. as as yeah, Top Gun lady. <laughs> and then uh, was Sybil Shepherd. Yep, from Moonlighting. Moonlighting. <laughs> mm-hmm. They're just like a different yeah. Like I feel like they just look different than yeah. women mm-hmm. of that age now. Yeah, you're not missing much with the sequel, I would say. Yeah, I think I'll skip it. Pretty predictable. Yeah. I say I think I'll skip it like a year and a half after it came out. Well, you're gonna skip it forever. But I think I'll skip it forever. I might accidentally watch it yeah. one day. It's a choice now. My husband enjoyed it, and he keeps trying to make me watch so it. So funny. <laughs> Was he like, you know what this movie is missing? Some real women. <laughs> Jennifer Connelly is in it. Like she's the love interest, which oh, I, I at least appreciate that she's not, you know, twenty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's good. True. But they also try to play it off. I think that like she was a child or like she was maybe a like in her early 20s when the first movie came out because she's supposed to be like, I don't know, there's like a very loose Hmm. reference to him having some connection to her in the first movie oh really i've just oh, okay. this is what i've read i wasn't paying that much attention i don't know i probably <laughs> saw it in a meme or something it didn't really pay attention i just remember something about it hmm. that like the timing the age yeah. doesn't really line up because uh, yeah. i think she might be younger than right now than kelly mcgillis was in the first oh, yeah. one oh yeah, yeah, yeah. and sure. then like i think they people like asked kelly mcgillis like why she's not in it and uh but yet tom cruise is still starring in it and she Uh was like well i'm old now and people don't want to see women that are old and the acrobatics that men do to convince people that women who are not at all age appropriate for them (laughs) are age appropriate for them now because they're both older and the gap can be wider (laughs) i hate that a lot yeah anyway <laughs> oh uh i'm the time lord for today so it's my job to keep us on track um 
And on today's episode, I forgot that I had to do this part too. Uh, Summers is going to tell us, do we have an official title that we're going with? We do not. I'm going to tell you about a murder in Alameda Park. Oh, okay. That may be the official title. Okay, so we are going to go back real quick to explain Alameda Park to people who are not from here. Okay, I feel like Alameda Park is like the tiny Santa Barbara version of Central Park, except small and has no features. I can see that. (laughs) Just because it's more than one block and Mm -hmm. it's in the middle of the city. It is one of Santa Barbara's oldest parks. It was there in 1853 when the city was founded. And it's on my favorite map of all time, which is called the Wackenruder map of Santa Barbara. (laughs) The Vitus Wackenruder map that shows all the like original blocks after the streets were laid out really terribly (laughs) by Haley. So it used to be six blocks. Oh. And the city still calls it Alameda Plaza because it was a plaza, but it's really everyone calls it Alameda Park. Now it's two blocks, and then one of the former blocks is Alice Keck Memorial Garden. Mm. It's on Anna Kappa Street, part of it is. Anyway, it's a park, and it gets used <laughs> a lot for festivals now Yeah, because there's really not a lot in it. One of the blocks has a great big wooden um, castle-looking... <laughs> kids playground called kids world and some picnic sites and then a lot of just uh grass and then the other block has this weird gazebo in it mm-hmm. and a bandstand i'm calling it a gazebo <laughs> because it's another one of those things that the city calls it a bandstand because it used to it was originally for music but nobody yeah in town calls it a bandstand <laughs> right like yeah that's not even a word people use anymore in my opinion <laughs> And it looks like a gazebo, a big, big gazebo. And it is kind of big. I rented it out once for a friend's wedding and you can, it's up on this raised platform and you can, you can fit like 30 people up there. That's crazy to me. I've never been up there, but yeah. Well, it's interesting because so many, it's like, even you saying it's sort of like a central park, but it's like one that nobody ever uses because, um, the park yeah, in general, Mm -hmm. just a lot of and that idea of a centralized park with a gazebo in other contexts is so so well used yeah um i know that i haven't personally been to one but like my husband always talks about in mexico it's really big for like a each town and city has a central plaza Uh that has one of those gazebos like if you've seen the movie coco it's where oh, yeah, yeah. The, where they go and all the mariachi bands play. Huh. And it's very much kind of the heart of the city. Um, and I feel like even here in other places, something like that is very much kind of the heart of the city. Yeah. But oh, here, yeah, yeah. it doesn't feel like that at all. No, it's like off to the side, it feels like. And yeah. you don't, you and maybe drive past it. And even just the park it. doesn't feel like the heart of the city no. at all. It's oh, not yeah, used that's what that I meant. way. I'm sorry, not the gazebo off to the side. I meant like the whole park seems like off to the side from downtown. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. it's like it, you have to go there on purpose. Sure. And like, yeah, yeah. there's there's festivals during the year, but the rest of the year, it just kind of, yeah, sits. Yeah, it's not heavily used. For yeah. Sure. yeah. 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 For reference, because I'm not letting this die. 
the entirety of Alameda Park is like a little more than um, two standard Walmart. <laughs> I believe it's 9.4 acres. Um, wow. Yeah, yeah. I feel like m- much more people, much more people, many more people <laughs> uh, go to Alice Keck Memorial Gardens. Yeah, because it has. Because it has so many features. It has hmm. all these plantings and there are ducks and turtles yeah. and, and a different gazebo, which yeah. is small. <laughs> yeah, it's just way more interesting. And also like, it's not just a big open space where yeah. you can see everybody who's in the park <laughs> at once. But yeah, I guess kind of as a setting for this story, the yeah. fact that it's not really well, it's not like right downtown. Yeah. It's not well lit. It's not a mm. place where people are walking through a lot. Yeah. The bandstand slash gazebo mm-hmm. was just redone. Oh, is and that done? Yeah, I believe so. Cool. If it's not, it will be soon. <laughs> um, and uh, and you can rent it out. And then you know, I think like at Earth Day, sometimes they'll have like the VIPs oh. get to be in the gazebo or <laughs> right. whatever. And then like underneath it, because it's on this raised platform with uh, stairs. And then there's like a balustrade like railing around the raised platform. Underneath is uh, park equipment. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we'll have pictures of that on our Instagram at Ghoul's Guide to SB. Uh, anyway, which it, it, you're going to want to look <laughs> after I tell you what happened there. Um, okay. The Wackenruder map is amazing, by the way, uh-huh. just for the name. <laughs> but it shows you where um, like all those six pieces of Alameda Park originally were. I have to look at it. That's cool. A Wackenruder map reminds me of the Zapruder tapes. Yes. <laughs> Maybe that's why I like it so much. So there was there are some copies, like hand done old, old copies of the original Walk and Ruder map and the building we all used to work in had one. In the that's lobby. a big one. Yeah. Yeah. And I yeah, I liked that a lot. I work in a building with the Wack and Ruder map or a <laughs> copy of it. Anyway. Wait, what was the other thing you mentioned though? I don't know. The something Ruder tapes? Oh, oh, the, the Sabruder tapes? Yeah. That's the JFK film oh. of, like, him getting assassinated. I did in not know that's what it was called. Yeah. That Sabruder was the guy's name who took that. Makes sense. All right. So that's the setting for you. Um, and the neighborhood, I used to live in that neighborhood, actually. I lived right a block next to the park. And it's on Santa Barbara's east side, upper east side, I guess. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty and everything, but after working hours it's like very abandoned there like you said Jen like there's mm-hmm. not a lot of residential stuff going on there are some big houses and some yeah. apartments um but it's like it's a lot of little houses that have been repurposed as like lawyers offices and whatever and then there's some courts and probation and everything down there so it's just like it I never liked to walk after dark without someone with me when I lived in that area so not the best place to live anyway but I never, like, heard anyone get murdered. That's foreshadowing. <laughs> so fast forward to uh, 1985. And um, we're going to talk about someone who is not from Santa Barbara originally, but in his 20s, he moved to Santa Barbara, Michael Stevenson. Michael came to Santa Barbara. He wasn't in school. He didn't, I don't think, have a steady job or anything. But he was like a, you know, a post-hippie era he didn't feel like he needed a job it was like a lifestyle choice kind Uh of thing Mm -hmm. and he had a girlfriend in town 
and he would stay with her sometimes, but um, like if she wasn't home, he would just sleep rough. Huh. Because he liked to do that, I guess. Or I, I don't know yeah, exactly. Maybe she had a roommate and. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. They didn't want him around if she so, wasn't there. <laughs> yeah, I guess. So Michael was from Chicago and he had been traveling around the country for about a decade. Um, and been in Santa Barbara for three years. And yeah, his girlfriend was same age, 29. She was a local university student, even though she was 29. So I guess maybe post-grad or mm-hmm. a mature student. And her name was Lori Shannon. And uh, Lori said later that Michael was kind of done with the lifestyle of being, you know, what he called like a wanderer or a hmm. vagabond. He was tired of living on the streets and he said it was a lot of drama okay he was about ready to be done okay so to set the scene a little bit there were there was a lot of homelessness in santa barbara at the Mm -hmm. time there still is yep um and there was a lot of national attention on the homelessness in the early 80s and especially on ellis keck park which Mm -hmm. is right next to alameda park like it was um there was a joke about it in a dunesbury comic strip yeah it was because it um, we were doing the thing that Santa Barbara does periodically where we try to make it like illegal to be homeless and sitting down or lying down or whatever. Uh-huh. And, um, and it was all focused around Alice. I didn't know that. Yeah. So, and that's also going to be some foreshadowing. So a Saturday night in early August, 1985, Lori, Michael's girlfriend, was out of town and Michael went out for a few drinks with friends before he went to bed down for the night he would just camp in Mm -hmm. parks and so he decided to sleep in the gazebo in alameda park that night and he had um what is described as a bright red portable radio (laughs) and he just played himself some quiet music and went to sleep Uh um a little bit before midnight and little did he know some rich uh unhinged young men yikes were at okay little did he know (laughs) at northwestern prep which was a private prep school for well-off young men who wanted to get into like west point or like the big military academies Uh there there was you know just basically a prep school of late teens men pretty privileged um and there were two of them who were both 17 david kurtzman and james trammell and where was this school located i don't know Hmm. i was just telling liz before you got here earlier i was like i can't find where it was oh interesting because northwestern prep still exists as a school but Uh they don't have their santa barbara location anymore uh... um one uh, people magazine which covered this story um says it was on the other side of town but there's also not really any mention of david kurtzman and james trammell like driving at all so i feel like maybe they were just like out on the prowl and maybe it was pretty close i'm not sure i mean the other side of town could have been like the other side of state street right i know right that's true it could have been like just barely on the west side okay yeah Yeah. so Hmm. um if i am able to find where that location was i'll put it on our map on our website ghoulsguidetosb.com but I probably won't find it. <laughs> so, um, so David and James from Northwestern were really good friends, and they both had weird families and kind of some family trauma. But they were well off enough to be sent 
across the country, in one case, uh, from Florida to this prep school. And then um, David was from Palo Alto. One of them was an Eagle Scout and Mm. they played sports and, um, you know, it was a whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever see the movie Toy Soldiers? Yeah. That's what I'm picturing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's kind of, yes. Um, But I think that Northwestern Prep was like a really small outfit, you know? Hmm. So like I kind of imagine it in a little building and like Mm -hmm. not like a big campus. Yeah. So they were just like as soon as they're out of the school building, they're out in town. Right. Could be totally wrong. But that's my, that's how I'm picturing it. it Like where the, um, oh, what is it called? It's like that school. Like the Anna Campus. The EF school. Yes, the EF school. Oh. That like exchange, but uh, the like, like oh. foreign kids come to town and yes, and it's right. kind of over on the other side of State Street yeah, from the yeah. park. Okay. Yeah, it is. Let's imagine it. That? <laughs> That's where it is. <laughs> Let's see. And then uh, James was from Phoenix, and he had a pretty connected family. Senator Barry Goldwater had just nominated him for the air force academy because mm-hmm. i guess those like really top military feeder universities or schools or whatever you have to be like really hard to get into huh. or maybe yeah. you have to have connections and stuff and be sent to a special prep school and have yeah recommendations yeah, hmm. yeah. interesting and so uh yeah so james was um like a little weird and violent like Right before this night, he had started to drift into more violent talk, and he would talk about deer hunting a lot. And um, he would be like, look at this knife. What do you think it feels like going through a human head? Oh, boy. Or whatever. <laughs> and his friends were like, huh. But <sighs> I guess didn't do anything about it ahead of time. So on the night that we're talking about, as um, Michael Stevenson is peacefully asleep, in the gazebo or preparing to fall asleep in the gazebo mm-hmm. with his little radio. Um, the two Northwestern prep boys led by the deer hunter, um, sort of unhinged one decide that they're going to go out and hunt a person. Oh boy. Specifically quote unquote, a Mexican. Oh, great. Fabulous. Racism too. Right. Because someone had supposedly like bumped them earlier or Ugh. I don't know, but it was really just an excuse, yeah, you know? Totally. Yeah. I'm guessing these dudes are just like, they've spent all day getting more and more pumped up mm-hmm. and potentially drinking and who yeah. knows what else. So they had one particular person kind of like in the, actually in their sights at the beginning of the night and they were kind of like tracking him around downtown or whatever. But then later in the night, they just didn't care who, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. they were just like anyone who fit the description. They're just out to cause trouble. Ugh. Right. And release this pent up yeah. toxic masculinity. So because although Alameda Park isn't like super central, um, but it is really close to downtown, mm-hmm. like you go and walk real easily. They end up in Alameda Park and they end up walking up to the gazebo and they see Michael asleep. And then uh, Vid just starts stabbing him and cuts his throat. Um, He cuts his throat violently enough to sever his spinal column. Oh, my God. And the thing that Michael says before he dies is, oh, no, friend. Oh, no. But he didn't know him. He was just like that kind of like that kind of guy called everybody friend. Yeah. So then the two (laughs) prep school kids just 
wander away and they meet up with another one of their prep school friends. And they this one article says from people says that they lived in an apartment, which is weird for hmm. prep school. So that's, I think, what was fueling my idea that it's not a big campus. Yeah. Um, and they're housing, you know, maybe the school owns an apartment building or something. Hmm. And it's like dorm rooms. And they tell their friend Eric what they've done. And then there are more roommates in the apartments. And like, everybody hears about it that night <laughs> in the morning. Four of the roommates were like, oh, we're, I'm going to go out now. And then they oh. go to the police and oh, good. report David and James. So the two are arrested and eventually found guilty of second degree murder. James had to go through a hung jury and retrial later, but... And he was the ringleader? Like the deer hunter? David was the... Oh, David was. Okay. Yeah. So they're both checking. charged with second degree? I think so. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, but they appeal and everything, and they it says they knew that their dreams of attending Annapolis and flying helicopters for the Navy were shattered. Oh, like um, that's the important right. thing, yes. you know? Their oh, their life was yeah. yeah so How many impacted. times have Ugh. we heard that same story? Yeah, Jeez. yeah. If only that guy hadn't been peacefully sleeping there, they would get to fulfill their bright <laughs> future. I know, right? Oh. Yeah, like oh, what was the Stanford rapist? Yeah, yeah. exactly. We should say his name because that's what you do. Brock. Yes. Brock Turner. Turner. Convicted rapist Brock Turner. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, it's always the focus on the more well-to-do kids who have like a, I don't know, I think of it as like a Harvard-y type future coming up because they're well-connected. Yeah. So that was what a lot of people in their circles were worried about, that it was going to ruin their futures. Yeah. What about the victim's future? Yeah, exactly. So let me find you what happened after. Because it was really important to the history of Santa Barbara. Okay, also, um, David Kurtzman, in his trial, his attorneys said that he panicked. (sighs) And they didn't specifically, I don't think, say that it was like a racially motivated panic. But just that he panicked when he was in the gazebo. And it says, panic, his attorney later argued, is simply not murder. So, but. (laughs) He panicked at a sleeping man. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's not like he jumped out from the bushes. Right. You know, he was literally asleep. Or did he panic after he started stepping? Yeah, right. (laughs) Realized he was in trouble. Right. Yuck. And so this happened. I feel like I remember that the other guy stabbed him also. Or was it just that David slit his throat and that was it? I I didn't find any evidence that both mm. of them were doing stabbing okay oh okay but maybe i'm maybe i'm imagining i didn't find any evidence like <laughs> when you read it in case. an article <laughs> when you were on the case no maybe i'm confusing it with another oh no no wait 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 i'm totally wrong they both they both were involved oh. um let's see hang on i might have to redo this okay so in the independent Nick Welsh wrote an article more recently um, that has a few more details about like the scene of the crime and like exactly what happened. So I'll just read you that. Oh, interesting. That's okay. As Trammell and Kurtzman <laughs> I like, entered. I was like, You're, I'll allow it. <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't heard the Lillian letter, episode 28, go back and listen to Jen reading us an awesome account of a murder. Okay, so here's Nick Welsh and in the Independent. 
As Trammell and Kurtzman entered Alameda Park, they thought they were following one of the gang members that they claimed to be following, but they quickly lost him in the dark. They were just there, you know, trying to make things better for society by murdering gang members. Yeah, because the, like, very threatening gang member that accidentally bumped into one of them and did no harm. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, when they heard sounds from the gazebo, they went to investigate. Startled by the arrival of Trammell and Kurtzman, Stevenson sat up startling kurtzman oh no somebody sat oh, up. sitting up words were exchanged Ugh. then kurtzman attacked an eagle scout he had told trammell earlier that night that he knew about gutting a deer but trammell asked have you ever killed a deer with your bare hands have you ever felt a knife go through a human head in his confession kurtzman talked about flashes in his head blood pulsing in his ears and panic that gang members were crawling into the gazebo. Oh, boy. Keep in mind, the gazebo, there's one way in. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. no. And you can see, like, the whole park. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then panic, his attorney later argued, is simply not murder. Except when it's also murder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Except for murder is murder. <laughs> and what you did was murder. Right? So at this time in Santa Barbara, just in terms of, like, the little calendar of our Santa Barbara year, this mm-hmm. is, like, fiesta is about to happen oh so that's like when the city is about to do their stupidest <laughs> festival mexican cosplay week yeah mm. and a lot you know people are in from out of town and mm-hmm. stuff and so it was interesting timing because it took a little while according to the independent for this murder news to like sink in hmm. but then it did and then it was a big deal yeah because because they were worried that they were going to lose out on their fiesta income. <laughs> I mean, maybe. But also because, so this is when Reagan is president and Reagan also has a ranch in oh, Santa right. Barbara County, mm-hmm. Refugio Canyon ranch. And he's starting to be like really intensely criticized for the cruelty of trickle down economics. Hmm. And so Santa Barbara is like the poster child for wealthy people and you know, a beautiful landscape and where you move once you've got yours uh-huh. and everything. <laughs> and there was, as I said, a ordinance against camping or sleeping outside. And there had been attention on that. And then and when did Reagan close the mental hospitals? <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting take to be really critical of something and then and then make one of the biggest yeah like impacts to impacts yeah to increase it yeah 1981 so just before yeah Mm -hmm. so when he deinstitutionalized psychiatric hospitals Mm -hmm. and put people into like community care that didn't actually work right or didn't like exist yeah Yeah. it didn't exist at the time and it still doesn't exist in any meaningful way it was just basically (laughs) turning people out to be homeless yeah which isn't what had happened to michael stevenson Mm -hmm. but there was a tension on it yeah and then locally also um some local business people had been pouring bleach on their food that they put in their dumpsters (gasps) to like discourage homeless people from like being able to live just be cruel it's just cruelty yeah and so there was um a national homeless rights advocate mitch snyder Again, the source of this is the Nick Welsh article. He centered his protest efforts on Santa Barbara after Michael Stevenson was killed, and he staged a civil disobedience campaign oh, wow. in town. And so that it says the homeless people of Santa Barbara became one of the best organized populations of homeless people in the Whoa. country at that time. Interesting. That's also interesting because it's a bit of a, like, not scapegoat, but, like, you're using this person's murder. Right. But he wasn't 
homeless in the way that like, they're you know he was think of yeah 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 but i mean he was homeless it, I mean, he was, but he homeless. was, but he was like, you know, like you said, a vagabond, I think right. is different. Like to have chosen not to have a home place is different than being unable to. So just because maybe he didn't have like severe mental health stuff that was like forcing him to be homeless. Mm-hmm. It was more like he was like in a phase of his life. kind yeah, of. Well, and there's, I mean, there's community houseless and then there's like someone who chooses to not have a home base and travels and i feel like those are kind of different things yeah but i mean i guess okay here's the thing so you are totally right but i think every every civil disobedience kind of like milestone is like that Mm -hmm. um like rosa parks yeah that was staged kind of something to rally around right and then so and oh Roe v. Wade also, right? Sure. Like they searched for her mm-hmm. to use her for this political purpose or legislative yeah, per- sure. purpose. So like, yeah, I hear what you're saying though. And so De La Guerra Plaza, which is our little tiny park in front of City Hall that's traditionally been, um, okay, not traditionally <laughs> been used like this, but it's talked about this way that it's like the public common yeah. and like, mm-hmm. The you town know square or whatever yeah, yeah. so if there's going to be often like a political speech yeah. it happens there Look before a like march right or something city hall yeah <laughs> right yeah um and our former newspaper yeah <laughs> so de la guerra plaza um was just like thronged with people homeless people and supporters of homeless people mm-hmm. and there was national news and then around the same time nick welsh says it was national news when santa barbara lawyers won a case before the supreme court allowing those with no fixed abode to register to vote. So if you were homeless before, you couldn't even vote. Like, you didn't Mm -hmm. count. Yeah. And so, like, all of this was happening right as the murder happened. Mm -hmm. And so people would have buttons with what Michael had said, like the, oh, no, friend. Mm -hmm. Oh, no. Like, they would wear, and City Hall walked back their sit lie Uh ordinance at the time, only to try to bring it back later, right? Yeah. Yeah. And Trammell and Kurtzman, if you remember, they were 17 at the time of the murder, but they were tried as adults, and they served long prison sentences. Mm -hmm. Although Trammell, who was kind of the, the, like, instigator, but didn't do all of the stabbing. (laughs) You know, like he was the like, let's do this and whatever. But then his friend was the one that snapped. Oh, okay. Had, in his time in prison, uh, he became a an Episcopal minister. Huh. And it's he's had a lot of press coverage as like this reformed the post, comeback kid the or whatever. For reformative Boy. justice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Kurtzman served 26 years. So yeah, it's uh, that's the story. Wow. It's so terrible. Yeah. It's really terrible. And not a lot of people know about it, especially no. for the amount of... Like it was in people. Yeah. Like yeah. nationally. National yeah. press. Yeah. So and we have some photos from the time that we'll put on our Instagram and um photos of the gazebo, which hmm. so yeah, I mean and that kind of to me is a little bit like the purpose of this podcast for me because mm-hmm. there's just like this little tiny little uh, veneer of pleasantness <laughs> over <laughs> Santa Barbara County and then like sometimes you just dig a little uh-huh. and pretty recently something horrible has happened yeah. and something ghoulish ghoulish <laughs> yeah and really interesting and then i also remember a little maybe like five or ten years later five when they were gonna um tear down like that whole block two blocks 
to build Paseo Nuevo. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of protesting. No, oh, really? Of something to do with the homeless. What was there before Paseo Nuevo? Um, this place called Piccadilly Square that yes. everyone went to, but I've then I don't know that, what else. But I don't know what yeah. it was. I went to it once, and I remember pizza and baseball cards, but that's all I remember. <laughs> what was there? Was it like an arcade uh, type thing? It was sort of like a... Do you remember the Galleria before it became Target? Yeah. So it was similar to that, where it was like, oh. Oh, like an indoor, not mall, but like... Mm -hmm. There was small little stores huh. with like a little it. shopping center. Yeah, like, a little, like farmers but, market in LA. Mm, not quite. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, like smaller than a mall type yeah. thing, but indoor. Uh -huh. But like like a variety of little shops. I got my wedding dress at the Galleria. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't. I don't want to like. <laughs> so Paseo Nuevo was. The property was purchased by one of my dad's good friends. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I just remember like Martin Sheen was involved in protesting oh, really? I heard at the time. But like I have I look recently. And this is like 1990. I think. Ish. Yeah. yeah. So recently I tried to look that up. Uh -huh. Because I was going to do a whole podcast episode about the film Young Guns 2 <laughs> because I thought I could get away with it. And um, and so I was like, I just, that led to me trying to look that up and like find a newspaper article about it, but I couldn't find one. So I mean, I, I saw Emilio, Emilio Estevez on State Street one time. So Are there you, you go. I think Emilio! you should do, no, no, no. I think you should do a Young Guns 2 episode because I have a tangent for that as <laughs> okay. well. Okay. I'll do it. But anyways, I was going to say, I... I agree like with what you're saying because uh, growing up here I think that yeah like it was very much like we're so lucky to be here yeah and there's so much that is put into I mean it's a tourist town so mm -hmm. of course there's millions of dollars going into creating this idea uh, that yeah. it's this idyllic <clears throat> beautiful playground of the yeah. rich and famous yeah I think that that's kind of what we like about doing this is that like yeah. it's okay to talk about the other stuff that happens here and it's okay to be interested in that and there mm -hmm. are people that want to dig a little deeper into that kind of stuff yeah rather than just pretend that everything here is shiny and beautiful <laughs> and yeah totally it's it's i bought into that image of santa barbara a lot when oh, i was a sure. kid yeah um we would drive across the country every year either in a station wagon or later in a camper because my Same dad was a scientist <laughs> and um his part of his work was across the country in woods hole massachusetts mm -hmm. so we would go every year and then when we'd get back like i remember one particular year just like sitting on the floor of my parents house in Nolita and going like I'm so lucky <laughs> we li like not in a snobby way but just like appreciating that yeah. like I was lucky and like now it's like okay the the one thing that I love about Santa Barbara is that the weather is not a hassle for me because <laughs> you know like I don't deal with hassle well and then my friends like that's I don't know. Yeah. I don't we get the rest of it. We say as we prep for a terrible storm coming in. <laughs> I know. But, but like, you just don't, most days, yeah. I don't know where there is an umbrella sure. in my possession or rubber boots. <laughs> we don't have to worry about snow. I don't have <laughs> to don't check. Have to pull out yeah. our winter clothes. Yeah. yeah. If it's raining, usually like... Uh, it does not affect me at all because right. I could just like run from office to car or <laughs> yeah. whatever and like 
it's yeah there's no, you never have to shovel snow and yeah. like yeah with the exception of like the vast global warming effects that have brought <laughs> us some i mean i definitely appreciate the city for what it is and yeah. i i am thankful in many ways to live here and i do feel like you know you kind of you round that corner into you know from montecito and like <laughs> i mean i still get a bit of nostalgia and warm feeling coming into santa barbara from out of town it's but... so much easier to drive here than la <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. the the santa barbara of the 80s and like early 90s i miss it like yeah. it was still like it was just like the tail end of when mm. it could be a regular town for some people i don't know it, it would be cool if i could live out my days in my hometown and afford a house and i say that like every third episode <laughs> Um, but I just, yeah, I love like digging underneath the tourist town, mm-hmm. like crust. <laughs> yes. We want to bring you the quirky. Yeah. And also that there was really important political mm-hmm. action going on here in that Supreme Court case That's about really interesting. the homeless being able to, I had no idea that no. you couldn't vote if you didn't have a fixed address. Right. Like that's such, like, isn't that literally disenfranchisement? Right. Yes. Horrible. Anyway, so it, that is that is my story for yeah. today. And do we have? Oh yeah, we have a magic eight ball. We do. I got it out this time. Yay! <laughs> and little <laughs> little tidbit. Who wants to do it. These two. What should we ask it? Wait, what were we gonna say? Summers? Oh, I was gonna say. I mean, I don't know if anybody cares, but a behind the scenes thing is that this is actually the first story that we ever recorded, like oh, months and months yeah, ago, like our trial run. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I was. But I didn't do a very good job. And then also we were recording it like on one iPhone or something instead <laughs> yeah. of yeah. all the stuff we like, use now. And, and so I was like waiting for you guys to forget a little bit so that I could redo it. Because it's one of my, I don't want to say favorite stories, yeah. but it's like one of my special interest stories about well, town. You know, I have a goldfish brain, so I forgot a lot of it. Yeah, yeah. good. Hey, uh, so did I actually, do we want to do like, is the gazebo in Alameda Park haunted by un- unrestful? Un- <laughs> unruly what is that <laughs> i'm so tired i'm tired hashtag i'm so tired is that do the question, we have we a question for the magic eight ball is the gazebo yeah. is, it haunted? is the gazebo haunted? haunted yeah by any anyone it doesn't have to be michael i hope that michael is resting yeah Peace, but i thought peacefully. It, like anyway what? i don't know what? i thought i thought we weren't asking it, are these... things haunted <laughs> Are we not doing that? What? I thought you didn't. you were the one who didn't want to ask. Early on, you were like, but it's not. Oh, no. I just don't like it when we ask things that are verifiable. Okay. I think asking if something is haunted is, is like, acceptable. Acceptable okay. because like it could be or it couldn't be. And maybe there is nothing that's haunted and like whatever. Okay. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Okay. okay. I can't. No, you can't do it. I can't. Move. Well, but I have to. Yeah, you're not going to have the right angle to yeah. see the. Can I tell you one thing about uh, James Trammell? Yeah. Um, I, so I, I was looking at his his Wikipedia page while you were talking. Uh-huh. And the very last line... Okay, well, as you said, he got he got out of prison. Uh, Is this the reformed guy? Yeah, the pastor. Uh-huh. And, then, uh, and then in July 2008, he was suspended for two years for sexual abuse of a parishioner. Do you want to know if the gazebo at Alameda Park is haunted? Is no. it? No, I don't want to know. The Magic 8-Ball says it is certain. Hey, oh, let's okay. go check it out. Yeah, yeah. Let's do I've it. I've never been up in there. I mean, maybe, maybe you're if higher you in go. the air. <laughs> there's nothing else about it. Yeah. Maybe I'll buy VIP tickets on Earth Day this year. I think we should wrap this one up, folks. <laughs> All right. I forgot All right. I was in charge of that. Oh, um, yeah. So, yeah. 
thanks for listening. See you next time. Hi, Mom. Thanks for listening to The Ghoul's Guide to Santa Barbara. Like and subscribe on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Ghoul's Guide to SB. Our website is ghoulsguidetosb.com. Got a spooky story or know of a haunted or paranormal location in Santa Barbara? Send it to us at ghoulsguidetosb at gmail.com. <laughs>